Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Doug Fridsma, President and CEO of AMIA. In this segment, Fridsma talks about the critical role informatics plays in advancing the use of health IT, the work his team is doing to provide accreditation for informatics professionals, and why ensuring patients have access to their data is such a huge priority. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvata, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvata.com. Thank you, Doug, so much for taking some time to speak with Health System CIO today. Sure. So what I'd like to do first is get a little bit of a background on AMIA, really what the organization does and what are its ultimate goals. Sure. So AMIA is a professional organization uh, that really represents informatics professionals at all stages and in all sort of flavors of informatics careers. Historically, I think we have come out of an academic tradition. There's been a lot of folks that have um, uh, been researchers, scientists, educators, really trying to advance the field of informatics. But I think over the course of the last couple of years, we've seen a fairly dramatic change in both the composition and the priorities of the organization. The organization remains committed to sort of evidence generation and that includes the scientific work and papers and things like that. But increasingly, our membership is composed of those uh, professionals that are much more applied in their work. So chief medical information officers, we have some CIOs, others that are really trying to leverage all the new information technology that's out there and use informatics as a way of, of unlocking the potential that's there. And so we found that as a field, Informatics is beginning to mature. It isn't defined just by what you know, but in fact, increasingly, it's being defined by what you do. And we're getting a lot more professionals that are out there, boots on the ground, really trying to tackle some of the hard problems of collecting, analyzing, and applying information and knowledge to the care of patients. Right. And, and you had talked about the, the evolution in the focus, although the, you know, the, the, the really primary focus remains the same, but has that um, resulted in changes, as, whether it's the leadership or participation, just trying to get that broader scope? Some of it has happened organically. If, we've, if we take a look at our membership and the folks that are part of AMIA, AMIA 10 years ago started down a road to develop a medical subspecialty in clinical informatics. And so they were successful in establishing that as a clinical subspecialty in which you could get board certified uh, in 2013. Mm -hmm. And so since 2013, there's been about 1,500 physicians that have been uh, board certified in clinical informatics. And many of those folks are assuming leadership roles across health systems. And many of them um, see Amy as their professional home. Well, Oftentimes, there is uh, participation in vendor meetings on the products and services that they have installed in their health systems, or they go to HIMSS to sort of understand the trade shows and, and see what's out there right now. I like to think that people come to AMIA not to see what's now, but to see what's next. They're focused not on a specific product, but um, kind of the basic understanding of how to use those products to, right. to improve care and care delivery. Um, okay. 
the, the analogy I like to use is it's sort of like health IT is the stethoscope, and that's an instrument that you use to diagnose and care for patients. But right. you have to understand cardiology to be able to interpret and use the information that you get from your stethoscope and to be able to apply that to clinical care. Informatics is the science and the specialty that underlies um, the effective use of health information technology. Okay. So right now, what would you say are, are, are the key areas where, where you're focused right now, what, what you're really uh, looking to uh, gain or push forward? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think one is this notion of making sure that we are able to recognize individuals for their skills and expertise. There's a lot of folks out there because of the rapid adoption of electronic health records that profess to have knowledge in informatics, but in fact, what they really do is they understand health information management or they understand health information technology, but not really sort of the underlying science of how to extract and use that information uh, in those systems. So I think part of what we want to do is assure health systems that uh, the people that they hire have the skill and expertise that they, that they say they have. You know, the medical subspecialty is sort of the first step in that direction, but we have other plans for providing ways to, to recognize people at all different levels of their skills and expertise. And I think in addition to that, we've been doing some more policy work and other things, I think, to really take a look at information technology and health systems. So, for example, in just a couple of years ago, in 2015, 2014, we published a report called EHR 2020, and it wasn't really meant to be some futuristic look at how information technology should be used, but it was really a repair manual, if you will, for information technology that's out there. So we have a lot of groups that are working on issues of interoperability, usability, workflow integration, some of the policies that drive those activities, all of those things I think are important aspects of of how we represent that that community of um, CMIOs and others. Right. And when you talk about being able to to recognize individuals for expertise, are you talking about um, some kind of uh, like certification or how specifically? Yeah, no, it's about accreditation and certification. We want to make sure that people who get a degree in informatics come from accredited programs, and we've updated what the accreditation requirements are just in the course of the last year or so, as well as professional recognition through certification. Mm -hmm. We have the clinical informatics medical subspecialty. We're going to be updating the core content of that in the next year as well to help it reflect the current state of the art that's out there. And we're working to develop um, additional certification um, options for folks that either are no longer practicing MDs and want to be able to be recognized for their informatics expertise or who haven't gone to medical school but are computer scientists or are nurses, pharmacists, others that um, have expertise in informatics and, you know, would like to be able to uh, demonstrate that as well. Increasingly, we're seeing more and more job postings that are asking for folks to have clinical informatics as a board specialty. And we want to make sure that the broad swath of folks that are out there, not only those that are board certified, but those that have other kinds of expertise can get recognized for that. Right. And I imagine it gets, um, when, we, when you talk about policy, that there's probably a whole bunch of, of subcategories of what you're looking at. But can you kind of give an overview of what, what you're really looking at um, from a policy perspective? 
Well, we've put together a set of six policy principles that we that we take a look at. So we look at things related to patient safety, uh, interoperability, research as, uh, applications, you know, so clinical research and, and uh, things like that, and a number of other topics. And then when there are notices of proposed rulemaking or other things like that, we really try to look at those and see if we can't um, provide some advice and expertise. For example, with the most recent uh, 21st Century Cures, a recent legislation that was passed back in December or so, one of the areas that we've been strong advocates for is for patients to have access to their complete record in a computable format. Yeah. We think that's important from a patient safety perspective because patients can help correct errors that might be present in the medical record. We think it's important from an innovation perspective because things like precision medicine need to be driven by having access to information and, and data. And we also think it's important for just um, apps and other kinds of novel ways of managing health that can help patients is access to data oftentimes is the rate limiting step. And so making sure that we have access to that information both empowers patients and I think it provides opportunities for entrepreneurs to begin to develop new applications and new sorts of services that help patients manage that information and integrate it more effectively into their care. So that's just an example of one of the things, but we've also commented on some of the CMS rules that they have around quality payments. Uh, you know, how do you calculate those things in an electronic format? What are the, way, what are the ways that you can do that most effectively? We've had some work uh, and uh, have attended a number of different meetings with the Office of the National Coordinator around information blocking and um, interoperability as well as usability. We've, uh, we've had a relatively active profile there. I, I used to work for the government. A lot of my friends still do, and we leverage those connections to help us um, provide some input and feedback from our members into the regulatory and policy processes. Okay, so a few things there I wanted to, to follow up on. And when you're talking about um, making patient records available, it, it's something where it, it sounds like it should be a no-brainer, but there there is opposition to this. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, from from some of the the high-level leaders who who are opposed to it, either because they say patients don't need all of the all of the information or, or managing it is difficult. But what are your, some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think many people cite. Technology barriers, I think those are easy to overcome. Many of the standards that are already out there in existence and that organizations are certified to provide um, kind of a basic framework for having that entire record uh, made available. 21st Century Cures doesn't say that it needs to be standardized. It just says that it needs to be computable, which means it's not going to be a PDF, but it could be a free text. It doesn't have to be complicated in that regard. And I think there's a whole host of things, including many of the precision medicine and the cancer moonshot activities that are really going to require having access to comprehensive medical records to mine that information in kind of a big data way. And that's how we're going to learn about new associations using the electronic health records that are out there. So there are opportunities there that we need to take advantage of. I think it's one of those things, though, that when we say, oh, well, patients don't need it or they don't want it, that tends to be a pretty paternalistic view. And I think that our experience, or certainly my experience with things like the Blue Button, which was this initiative that ONC launched to allow patients to click on a button and be able to download a copy of their medical record, 
The VA was the first to, in, to instantiate that, and within the first year, they had a million veterans that downloaded a copy of their medical record. Right. So to say that patients don't want it or wouldn't care about it, I think um, underestimates what patients really could do. We also found that once there was access to that information, there was an ecosystem of app developers and entrepreneurs that said, hey, once we've got this data, I can integrate it with lots of other data, and I can provide value to patients that didn't exist before. And so we had companies that started and said, you know, we have ways of managing your Medicare Part D information and integrating it with your blue button activities and giving you a much more comprehensive view of the care that you're receiving, what the kind of network of providers looks like, and, and a whole lot of other things. So in some sense, without that data, that kind of entrepreneurial and innovation can't occur. I would say that perhaps the biggest barrier to this is that many institutions and electronic health record vendors see patients' data as an intellectual property asset that can be monetized. And so when you give patients the ability to easily take it out and to give it to someone else, that diminishes the the ability of of, um, EHR vendors and others to be able to monetize that information. And I think it's pretty clear that HIPAA and the HIPAA modifications that have happened in 2010 or 2012, I can't remember exactly the year, but there were modifications made to the HIPAA regulations that said that patients should have access to an electronic copy of their medical record when such records are available. And 21st Century Cures went the next step to say every patient should be able to have access to a, a computable copy of their medical record. So these are things that are rights that patients have and that I think we as physicians or as providers shouldn't question whether patients, even if people don't exercise that right, that doesn't mean that they don't have it. Once it becomes easy, I think more and more people are going to have the opportunity to to see the value. The last thing I'll say about that is, is that with the travel industry, it used to be that travel agents are the ones that controlled your access into airline reservations and hotel reservations. Just by making that data publicly accessible, has created a whole new set of ecosystems out there and has, has done so to the convenience of um, the traveler. So, you know, probably working in those early systems was not something that a, a traveler would ever do. But once you made that accessible to others, they found simple and easy ways to present that, and it became um, easier for folks to be able to interact. And I fully expect the same sorts of things to happen um, with healthcare as well. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.